Welcome to Pulling Weeds and Planting Seeds, a podcast for growing your faith, where we simply consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you've been scrolling through any social media the past few days, I'm sure that you've seen a hundred pictures of proud moms and dads showing off their kids as they went to their first day of school for the new uh, for the new season. Well, let's be honest. Are they really celebrating that the summer is over or that their kids are going to school? Um, I would say that, yes, <laughs> they're celebrating because someone else is going to be taking care of their kids for the next eight hours a day. Um, but man, come on, I, I have three boys and they were good kids most days, but the first day of school was a holiday, uh, where I come from. So yes, celebrating kids being in school. Seriously though, with school back in session for, for the year, I wanted to take this episode and just to first honor our teachers, you know, being the spouse of an educator, I see what teachers face day in and day out. Uh, there's definitely more to working as a teacher than we realize, uh, teachers may have one job title on their LinkedIn, but they're also, uh, you know, so often there are children's cheerleader, uh, counselor, nurse, referee, coach, you name it. Uh, schools may be over at 3 p.m., but many teachers work into the night grading papers and lesson planning, preparing crafts for the next day. Uh, in fact, Monster.com actually uh, reported that 17% of teachers actually have a second job or a side hustle that they do. Um, so, you know, teachers need some uh, need to, uh, you know, they deserve some credit. They deserve our, our uh, appreciation. Teachers have overcrowded classrooms and they're under-resourced. They, they often use their own money to ensure that their students, which are your kids, my kids, they're making sure that they have pencils and paper and hand sanitizer and tissues. And teachers don't only have fire drills, they have active shooter training. I mean, think about that for a second. They also have to navigate an ever-changing educational system, uh, and they have to maintain a certain number of professional development hours to keep their certifications up to date. They make after-hour phone calls to keep parents informed. They, par- they participate in after-school fundraisers and events because not all parents can be there, and not all kids have both sets of parents even involved uh, or even there in the home. Teachers deal with some students who are who never stop talking and others who never talk at all because they don't yet know the English, uh, the English language. They deal with bad attitudes, bad language, bad tempers, bad hygiene, uh, and to top it all off, they have to deal with parents that are at times worse than the kids. And if you're a teacher listening right now, I just want to say I appreciate you. Uh, we honor you. And, uh, and for you, I want to share a very heartwarming story uh, that uh, I know that you're going to enjoy, and then we'll talk about a few scriptures real quick. But this is from a, uh, a teacher named Helen, and here's her story. She said, he was, in the, he was in the first third grade class that I taught at St. Mary's School in Morris, Minnesota. All 34 of my students were dear to me, but Mark Elkland was one in a million. Uh, Very neat in appearance with a happy-to-be-alive attitude, but he also talked incessantly. I had to remind him repeatedly that talking without permission was not acceptable. What impressed me so much, though, was his sincere response every time I corrected him for misbehaving. 
Thank you for correcting me, sister. I didn't know what to make of it at first, but before long I became accustomed to hearing it many times a day. One morning, I made a novice teacher mistake. When Mark, Mark talked once too often, I told him, if you say one more word, I'm going to tape your mouth shut. It wasn't 10 seconds later when Chuck blurted out, Mark's talking again. And since I had started, stated the punishment in front of the class, I had to act on it. I remember the scene as if it occurred this morning. I walked back to my desk, opened my drawer very deliberately, and took out a roll of masking tape. Without saying a word, I proceeded to Mark's desk, tore off two pieces of tape, and made a big X over his mouth. I then returned to the front of my room. As I glanced at Mark to see how he was doing, he winked at me. That did it. I started laughing. The class cheered as I walked back to Mark's desk, removing the tape and shrugging my shoulders. His first words were, Thank you for correcting me, sister. The years flew by, and before I knew it, Mark was in my classroom again, this time for junior high math. Since he had listened carefully to my instructions, he didn't talk as much in ninth grade as he had in third. One Friday afternoon, working hard on a new concept all week, I sensed that the students were frustrated with themselves and uh, edgy with one another. I had to stop this crankiness before it got out of hand. So I asked them to list the names of all, the st all their fellow students in the room on two sheets of paper, leaving a space between each name. Then I told them to think of the nicest thing that they could say about each of their classmates and write it down. That took up the remainder of the class, and as the students left that room, each one handed me their papers. Mark said, thank you for teaching me, sister. Have a good weekend. That Saturday, I wrote down the names of each student on a separate sheet of paper and listed what everyone else had said about that individual. On Monday, I gave each student his or her list. Before long, the entire class was smiling. I never knew that I meant anything to anyone, I heard whispered. I didn't know others liked me so much. No one ever mentioned those papers in class again. I never knew if they discussed them after class or with their parents, but it didn't matter. The students were happy with themselves and one another again. Several years later, after I had returned from a vacation, my parents met me at the airport. As we were driving home, mother asked me the usual questions about the trip, the weather, my experiences in general. There was a light lull in the conversation. Mother gave Dad a sideways glance and simply said, Dad? My father cleared his throat as he usually did before saying something important. The Elklands called last night, he began. Really, I said? I haven't heard from them in years. I wonder how Mark is. Dad responded quietly. Mark was killed in Vietnam. The funeral is tomorrow and his parents would like it if you come and attend. To this day, I can still point to that exact spot on I-494 where Dad told me about Mark. I'd never seen a serviceman in a military coffin before. Mark looked so handsome, so mature. All I could think at that moment was, Mark, I would give all the masking tape in the world if only you can talk to me. The church was packed with his friends. The pastor said the usual prayers and the buglers played taps. One by one, those who loved Mark took a last walk by the coffin and sprinkled it with holy water. I was the last to bless the coffin. As I stood there, one of the soldiers who had acted as a pallbearer came up to me. Were you Mark's math teacher? I nodded as I continued to stare at the coffin. 
Mark talked about you a lot, he said. After the funeral, most of Mark's former classmates headed to Chuck's farmhouse for lunch. Mark's mother and father were there waiting for me. We want to show you something, his father said, taking out a wallet of his po- out of his pocket. They found this on Mark when he was killed. We thought you might recognize it. Opening the billfold, he carefully removed two worn pieces of notebook paper that he had been taped, folded, and refolded many times. I knew without looking at the papers that they were the ones I had listed all the good things each of Mark's classmates had said about him. Thank you so much for doing that, Mark's mother said. As you can see, Mark treasured it. Mark's classmates started to gather around us. Charlie smiled another she- <laughs> rather sheepishly and said, I still have my list. It's in the top drawer of my desk at home. Chuck's wife said, Chuck's asked me to put his in our wedding album. I have mine too, Marilyn said. It's in my diary. Vicki reached into her pocketbook, took out her wallet, and showed her worn and frazzled list to the group. I carry this with me at all times, she said without batting an eyelash. I think we all saved our list. That's when I finally sat down and cried. You know, as I sat in Panera Bread this morning and I read that story, I I got a little choked up, I have to admit. Uh, My eyes got kind of watery and I was glad nobody was sitting there by me to see. It reminded me of some of my great teachers through the years. You know, Mr. Sharp, my first grade teacher who worked tirelessly with me on my handwriting because I was horrible at penmanship. Mr. Terse, my science teacher in middle school, whose comedic relief made learning the periodic table entertaining. Then in college, Brother Shofflet, who wept frequently while teaching us about the amazing grace of God. I'm sure that there are teachers coming to your mind right now. Maybe you don't remember all their names, but you remember their compassion, their determination, their sacrifice in teaching you valuable lessons and preparing you for adulthood and beyond. So here's something my teachers have taught me. We need to be teachable. That's the first thing that I, that I learned probably as I became a young leader. See, when Jesus told Peter, Andrew, and James to follow, he was asking them to come to be his disciples, to learn from him, to continue their spiritual education. You know, a disciple is someone willing to be taught and eager to learn more. And it's admitting that, that we don't know we don't know everything. We don't know it all. And, and being humble enough to sit at someone's feet and learn from them and have them teach us. You know, just remember, though, uh, uh, a teacher's greatest joy isn't in the student just learning a concept or a principle or a lesson. It's, it's not just about gaining knowledge. The greatest joy for a teacher is watching the student apply what they've learned and become better for it. I realize that we're honoring teachers here, but I just a little sidebar for a second. There, there are plenty of those around us uh, who, who aren't teachers, and, uh, and learning outside the classroom uh, is just as important. And those people that God has placed in your life may not be teachers, but they have valuable lessons to offer if we're willing to listen. And so how do we do that, you might ask? Well, again, here's some things that I've learned uh, from my teachers First is to invite feedback and welcome evaluation. Uh, Even if you think that you're the smartest person in a room, which just a heads up, 
you seldom are. <laughs> and if you're always the smartest person in the room, then you're not going to grow. You need to put people around you that are smarter than you. But anyway, even if you think you're the smartest person in the room, ask others for insight. Uh, get their opinions and, and their stories of experience so that you can be better. And secondly, always be asking good questions that stimulate conversation. Uh, and then pay attention to what they say and take notes. Always, always, always take notes. Uh, third, be a self-learner. Do your best. Uh, here's, what, here's what the scripture says. Do your best or be diligent to present yourself to God. Some translations actually say study to show yourself as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. See, knowledge and understanding bring confidence in your personal growth and, and in the process that you're growing through. Uh, and it also demonstrates that you're motivated to move forward in life and in faith. So learn how to be a learner. And then number four, be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Um, the scripture says in, in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. It's important for us to uh, make sure that we're being attentive to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us and where he's leading us. So we need to be teachable. But then we also, we also need to pass on what we learn. You know, the cherry on the top for a teacher is, is beyond watching a student apply what they've even learned. Uh, the pinnacle moment for a teacher is when that student becomes a teacher. When they, in turn, take that knowledge and that thing that they've learned, the wisdom that they've gained, and passing it on to others. You know, Jesus, as part of the Great Commission, he challenges his followers to make disciples. And here's how he says to do it. By baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Paul even challenged his protege, Timothy. He said, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be then qualified to teach others. You know, I'm a firm believer that the things that God's teaching me in my personal walk and in my personal faith is almost always something that someone else needs to hear as well. What I'm learning personally, I intentionally try to share publicly. It's one of the five spiritual habits that I talk about in the book I'm writing called The Twelve. It's the habit of encouraging others. And in fact, this very podcast is from my own personal learning, my own personal development, my own walk of faith. And I decide to uh, put it into words and then say it on, on a, uh, through a microphone so that others can hear and hopefully be encouraged by so we encourage others to press on. We strengthen them, uh, and, the, and as we strengthen them, we affirm uh, in them what they themselves have been going through or growing through. And then also, uh, at, at times, they, they even end up encouraging me because they've already grown through it, and then they could teach me what I haven't yet experienced or haven't yet learned. So we need to be teachable. We need to pass on what we've learned to others. It's that never-ending cycle of discipleship. And so to all the teachers out there and to all my teachers that I've had past and present, I just want to say thank you for teaching me. So this week, show some love to your teachers. Uh, write a card, send a, uh, send a Starbucks gift card along with it or something to, to just show your appreciation for them. 
let's give a special uh, a shout out to the teachers in your life. And I want to give a special shout out to uh, the teacher in our home, which is my wife, Chrissy. Uh, she homeschooled our kids for a few years, and uh, now she's been an educator for just over 10 years. And uh, she's a rock star. She is uh, definitely extraordinary in every way. And so I want to appreciate her. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pulling Weeds and Planting Seeds. And as always, you can grab the study guide by clicking the link included or simply by emailing me at roger at rogernelms.com. So until next week, let's continue to look for ways to stir one another's faith to love and good deeds. Mm -hmm.